0: Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's What makes you happy is the last week. Uh, The whole series has really been this question, what makes you happy? The very first week we answered the question, we said nothing. No thing makes you happy because happiness isn't about a thing. It's not about finding your happy what. It's about a who. And we talked about that the first week. Second week and third week, Pastor Brian said that, that the answer to what makes you happy is sowing, right? That, that, that you have to sow your way to happiness. It doesn't just happen. That it's an outcome of, of certain choices that we make that then lead us down the road where we discover I'm happy. And we've introduced several kind of counterintuitive ideas along this series. Each and every week, it's been something that's not quite normal. The first week is is happiness is is about a who, not a what. It's about a who, not a what. Happiness is an outcome. You have to work for it. You have to plan for it. We've said that peace with God is possible. And not only is it possible, but it paves the way to make peace with others in your life and to make uh, peace with yourself. We said in the week where it snowed and we didn't have church here at the Regal Theater, we had church online, right? Uh, We said that more money won't make you happy, but managing your money will. More doesn't equal more happy, but managing it does. And last week we said that when pleasure is your priority, when you prioritize pleasure, it will take down your happiness, it will undermine your happiness and you'll discover that you're in a prison of your own making and that that it's God that wants to bring you out of that. Well, today's kind of bottom line thought is is maybe the most counterintuitive of all. Like, you don't even think about this. I don't think about this. It's so illogical that you might very well think that I have a hidden agenda by bringing this up today. Like, there's something I want... From you, but that's not it at all. It's 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 that this is a part of being happy, and if you if we get this, we'll be closer to to that place we want to be in our life. So let's look at this. This is the bottom line. This is kind of the main idea of the whole message. You can see it on the screen uh, with me. As long as you are all about you, you won't be happy as long as you everybody when we get to the word you you say it real loud say you as long as you you are all about you, you won't be happy now I know that doesn't sound like like anything you would hear in society outside of the church right basically it says you need more than you have to offer to be happy your happiness is bigger than you can handle you see we all kind of we all kind of kid ourselves and we think you know if i could just get this certain thing or if i could just have you know certain things or live a certain way or look a certain way or have a certain body type then then i would be happy and that's not that's not it at all because because the reality is like they look happy don't they think about the they in your life and they look happy that's why we want to be them. That's why we want something in our life. But but it's not that we want their whole life. We want to pick and choose from the they in our lives. We because because we'll like look at them and be like, well, I wish I had you know their house and and his kids and her income and his education. And if I had you know if I looked like them, if I had all of that, then I would be happy. And what we do time and time again is we pick the highlight reel of them and compare it to the behind the scenes of our own lives. And when we compare their highlights to our behind the scenes, we end up discontent. We end up discouraged. And a lot of times, listen to me, we end up depressed. That's what a lot of depression comes from, is when we compare their highlight reel to my behind the scenes. No comparison at all, right? And and, and like I said, we wouldn't want to trade our whole lives for that person because you wouldn't want their parents, you know? Like, I don't want your parents. (laughs) You wouldn't want to give up your brother and sister for theirs. Or maybe you would, but that's not really what we're talking about. Anyway, you know what you call that when you pick this piece and that piece and this piece and you put it together and you're like, I wish I could be this person. A little bit of this person, a little bit of that person. Let me grab some of them over here and some of this person and put it together. You know what you call that? Frankenstein. (laughs) That's what you call it. You call it Frankenstein. And Frankenstein is a monster. And Frankenstein doesn't exist. And neither does your person. Neither does the person that you make up in your head. We all make up these people. They're they're, they're just composite people. A little bit of these people and a little bit of this. And we we then compare our lives to them and we don't measure up. And the thing is, they're not real. (laughs) The person that we're comparing ourselves to does not exist. But here's the thing. The people that you're taking a little bit of from, a little bit from them, a little bit from them, you know what they're doing? They're looking at you too. They're looking at you thinking, man, if I could have what they have, if I could look how she looks, and we're looking at them, and they're looking at us, and it's just like nobody's happy because we're just comparing our ideals of perfection to our own lives and seeing that we fall short because here's the thing. You cannot acquire, consume, and exercise your way to happiness. You can't do it. You cannot Acquire, consume, or exercise your way to happiness. There's nothing that you can consume. You see, we look at people all the time, we're like, if I could just acquire what they have, if I could just, not like just consuming food, but, you know, just consuming stuff. If, if I could have the stuff that they have, if I could live the way they live, or if I could look the way she looks, then I'd be happy. But you can't acquire, <laughs> consume or even exercise your way to happiness. But here's the thing you can do, and here's the part where you think I have a hidden agenda. You can't acquire, consume, or exercise your way to happiness, but you can serve and volunteer your way there. You can serve... And volunteer your way there. Now, I don't have, I'm not up here to try to give you a guilt trip to try to increase our volunteer numbers, okay? That's not the point of this message. The point of this message is I want you to be happy. And we have discovered that serving and volunteering, rather than acquiring, consuming, and exercising, serving and volunteering will make you happy, will make you healthy, this is, so, this is like legitimate. And listen, side note, I'm all about self-improvement, right? Like, I like to exercise. I like to work hard. I like to be, you know, try to be disciplined. But, but, but when you become consumed with you and, and trying to improve you and trying to be a better you, no matter how much progress you make, you'll still be unhappy. Because you can't acquire, consume, and exercise. Your way to happiness because it's not all about you. Now, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me that there's a correlation between serving and volunteering and happiness, just Google it. Seriously, just pull out your phone, Google, type in, you know, uh, volunteer happiness and hit enter. And you're going to see article after article after article after research after research after research all pointing to this connection between volunteering and happiness, between serving and health. And it's not just a subtle connection. It's not just like, well, maybe, sort of, possibly, by chance, there's this relationship. No, no, no. It's obvious and overt between happiness, health, and selflessness. Giving yourself away. I I discovered a couple things just kind of researching this. University of Chicago did a study where they asked the question, what are the most satisfying jobs out there? Like, like, what are the careers? What are the, the, the jobs that people feel the most satisfied in? And here's what they discovered. They said the most satisfying jobs were those involving caring for others, teaching others, protecting others, and then creative pursuits. In other words, they said you're more likely to have satisfaction in your job if it involves caring for somebody else, teaching somebody else, or protecting somebody else. And here's what they discovered. There was no association with the level of income. Once, once a person had, had, had reached that point where they could basically pay their bills, eat, and live inside. Once they reached that point in their income, more income did not equal more happiness, did not equal more satisfaction. In the UK, they did this amazing study where they took 40 different research projects spanning 20 years and looking for the connection between volunteering and health. They're like, is there a connection? Let's look at all these studies. And and by volunteering, they weren't like, you know, I did once when my boss asked me to because, you know, we needed to increase hours in our job where we were in the community. No, no, no. Just uh, carving out a regular part of your schedule to volunteer. Here's what they discovered by looking at 20 years of research. People who volunteered served regularly There was far less depression, less heart disease, and less stress. Listen to that. Volunteering, serving, not just in church, but anywhere where you give yourself away to somebody else with expecting nothing in return. Here's what you can expect. Less depression, less heart disease, lower stress. For teenagers, those of you who have teenagers, they discovered this, that for teenagers in particular, less drug abuse and far less unplanned pregnancies. They even said so far as, as, as teenagers are related, even if you have to force them to volunteer, force them. Even if they have a bad attitude, to which anybody who's ever worked or had a teenager knows, they have a bad attitude about everything. So just go ahead and give them a good reason to have a bad attitude. (laughs) Give them something that will be positive in their life. You're going to have a bad attitude? Well, this is going to make you a healthier and happier person. So have a bad attitude, bro. But they said even if they have a bad attitude, the results will still convey. And study after study, we talked about people who volunteer, who find a way to be selfless, have greater (coughs) psychological (laughs) well-being, that they're healthier mentally, they have higher self-esteem, they live longer, and, and check this out, they have a better quality of life, and their immune system is boosted. I, I read this article on Men's Health, right? It was called Top Cancer Dot Gives Five Lifestyle Strategies That Help You Avoid Cancer. That was the title of the article, right? And this doctor lists these five things, and you know what one of them was? It was number four, volunteering and mentoring. Here's what this doctor said. This is an exact quote. He said, clinical research shows volunteering, mentoring, and other acts of altruism pump up your immune function. Just, just ponder that for a second. Volunteering, you know, weekly, a couple times a month, three times a month, you know, just on a regular basis, selfless activity, that increases your ability to fight diseases, that blows my mind and it leaves me asking the same question that maybe you're asking how is that even possible how is it possible that behaving selflessly not only can make me happier but will make me healthy healthier like how, how can how can getting so tired because i've served and i've, I've emptied myself how can that leave me feeling How can I be happier? Now, here's the thing. Many of you in this room have experienced the very thing that I'm talking about. You do it on a regular basis, right? For some of you, you get up early on Sunday morning to show up here to help us set up. Some of you study through the week so that you can be ready to teach in a a class. You host a small group. You lead a small group. You help us tear down on Sundays. You show up in the middle of the week and do different things. And you found you're asking yourself, like, how is it? That, that I'm giving myself up for something and I leave and I'm tired and I'm exhausted and yet I feel better about me. When I do this. like I'm tired. On Sundays I'll, I used to on Sundays I used to like go home and, and we would do stuff out in the yard and, and, or, or we would go somewhere and we would we would go to the beach. but now I getting up early on Sundays and I go home I'm tired and I have to take a nap, but I feel better about me, and I like myself better, and I'm happier, how is that possible? Two words, divine design, (laughs) divine design, I think that God created us to live that way, that God created us to to do all of those New Testament one another's, right? Like like care for one another and love one another and serve one another and forgive one another. I believe that you're happier if you embrace the the one-anothers, right? Like if we just one another, one another, then we're living the way God designed us to. And 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 I, and I think it's 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 by design because here's the thing: I think selflessness or selfishness comes naturally, but I don't think it's original. Selfishness is natural. It's natural to be selfish. It's completely normal, completely natural to be all about me, but it's (coughs) not original. You see, selfishness is not by design. It's a result of brokenness. We've talked several times in this series about the word sin. We talked about how sin separates us. You know, sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from people in our lives, you know? Like you have a relationship and you have a fight and somebody said something they shouldn't have said. However you define sin, right? Whether it's Old Testament sin, New Testament sin, your own morality sin. Something happens. Somebody sinned. Somebody broke the code in the relationship and now that relationship is separated. You're separated from that person. But we've also said that sin separates us from ourselves, but it goes even deeper than that. Sin will separate us into our into our most self-centered world. It, it will separate us from, from everyone else, isolating us from, from each other, and then isolating us into our own self-centered world as it whispers to us, hey, Spend all that you have, not just money, but time and talent and ability and skills and and influence. Spend all of that on yourself. You deserve it. You deserve all of your own energy. You deserve all of your own time, all of your resources. If you do that, sin tells us you'll feel full. But we know that's not true. Every one of us in this room knows that's a lie, but we fall for it time and time again. We know the exact opposite is true because our Heavenly Father created us, designed us a certain way, and sin has come and broken that. That's what we talk about in Genesis uh, chapter 3 when sin enters the picture. There's a brokenness that happens. And the truth is, if you want to be happy, you have to find a way to, to, to reconnect with the original design. you got to find a way to give yourself away. and You'll never be happy when your life's all about you. You just won't. Because you can't acquire, consume, and exercise your way there. But you can serve and volunteer. Just think about the happiest people you know for a second. I bet the happiest people you know find a way... be selfless. I bet the happiest people you know are also some of the most selfless people you know. And the happiest people you know when you think about them, I bet you think, man, if I ever needed anything, I could call them. If I ever needed somebody to pick me up, they would be there any time of night. If I ever needed to call somebody and just vent frustration and, 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 and complain about what's going on in my life, I could call them because they would be there for me. And you wouldn't want to look like them because your body's a lot better than theirs. And you wouldn't want, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want the income that they have because you make more money than they do, but they have something you don't. They're happy. They seem to be at peace with themselves because they're not broken into their self-centered world. They 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 have they have come to be at peace with themselves because they found a way to make their lives not just about they have found a way to make their life about other people and serving other people. Paul talks about this. We actually are going to talk about the Bible this morning. Paul talks about this in the in the, the letter to the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 5. If, you, uh, if you've never read Galatians, let me encourage you. It takes about maybe 30, 45 minutes, an hour just to read the whole letter. Some of it you may understand. Some of it you may not. Some of it's a little bit complicated. Some of it's... Full, full, full of theology, and we're not going to dive all into the the theology of Galatians. It's really good, it's really deep, it's really rich, but we're not going to go there. What we're going to do today is we're just going to look at an observation that Paul makes as he contrasts two different ways of approaching life. Check this out Galatians chapter 5. Let's uh, pick up verse 19. He says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Now, If you have a different translation on your phone or in your hands, it might say the acts of the sinful nature. Basically, what what that means, that's that's a that's a Bible way of saying if you were to do whatever you wanted to do, whenever you wanted to do it, if you just followed your your natural impulses, right? Like if if you knew that you could get by with whatever it is you wanted to do, you weren't going to get caught. Your wife wasn't going to find out. Your husband wasn't going to know. Your boss was never going to see you. Your mom and dad weren't going to catch you. You could do whatever you want with whomever you want, whenever you want. You were never going to run out of money. You could just make your life all about you. That's what Paul's talking about when he says the acts of the flesh. The acts of a person whose life is all about them. He says, here's what they are. I don't even need to list them, but here's what. They're so obvious, but let's do it anyway. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, which is just, you know, uh, excessive kind of sexual behavior that he doesn't already mention. Idolatry, which is, you know, trying to get God to do what you want God to do, which there are a lot of idolatrous Christians. We pray idolatrous prayers. God, what? God, God. What do I need to do to get you to do what I want you to do? Like, like, you know, that's how we pray sometimes. But anyway, he says uh, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He's just like, I'm tired of listing them out. There's so many of them, and they're just obvious. Now, anybody want that to characterize their life? Anybody want that verse? Like, that's your life. But here, there's my life verse, pastor. I want that on my tombstone when I die, man. The axe of Josh. <laughs> oh, no, we don't. We, we know. We know we don't want that. The, the gist of what Paul is saying in these three verses is, look, this is this is what pleasure looks like when it's prioritized. This is pleasure prioritized. This is, this is pleasure that doesn't care about anybody else. This is pleasure that at, at, at somebody else's expense. Because somebody's going to have to pay the price of your selfishness. And it won't be you, but it may be you. But this is what, this is what it looks like to just, to just anything I want to do. My natural inclination, my selfishness on full display. Then he offers this contrast. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit another way of saying that but but when you finally relax and say God it's not all about me God it's not all about what I can get I'm tired of living for myself God I want to invite your spirit to live in me God 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 my selfishness is not working I'm not who I want to be I'm not happy I'm miserable and frustrated so God I just want you to live inside of me he says the fruit of the spirit look at this some of you memorize this as kids. Is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience. Patience just means, you know, I'll I'll slow down and go at your pace. Patience. <coughs> Kindness. I'm going to gear down so that you're comfortable here. Goodness. I'm going to do the right thing even if it costs me, even if nobody's looking. Faithfulness. I'm trustworthy. I can be trusted. I'm the kind of person that you can trust. Gentleness. Gentleness. I'm going to leverage my power for your benefit and self-control. Paul says when you and I stop and and, and we finally decide to quit quit pursuing our selfish desires, our selfish intent uh, that that every one of us can relate to, right? Let's just be honest. You don't have to act like you don't know what Paul's talking about there in those past few verses. We all know what he's saying. and We all can relate to it. He He says when you finally just say Heavenly Father.'" I want your will in my life. I want your life in me. I want to be filled with your spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to dwell and live inside of me. Paul says, here's the kind of life that attitude produces. And then he says this, this is the next verse. He says, this is so brilliant. He says this, he says against such things, there is no law. Now let's just throw that list back up there, right? Uh, with all of them, yeah, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Can you imagine? can you imagine if somebody described your family and they used those words, words? words? When I go to their house, man, it's just so so full of love and 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 joy and peace and and they're so patient and they're so good and kind. What if, what if these words described your house? What if these words described your marriage? Can, 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 can you see the fruit of the Spirit in your marriage? Let's take it a step wider. What if, what if your neighborhood was defined by this? Like, what if the sign going into your neighborhood, like, welcome to my neighborhood, a neighborhood full of love, joy, peace, forbearance. Can you imagine what it would look like to live in a neighborhood like that? What what Paul is saying when he says against such things there is no law is saying when when, when your community is characterized by these things there is no need for the police. They're they're just there to direct traffic because everybody's being so kind and you go first. No, you go first and somebody's got to decide who's going first. (laughs) Paul says when your family is characterized by this there's no need for law there's no need for anybody to tell you what to do and when to do it and how to do it and when to show up and what time to show up no, no, no. there's no law see selfishness is natural but it's not original it's natural but it's not how you were created to be left to our own yeah man we're we're going to go completely off the rails but but you and I were created to live like that this not like the acts of the flesh Paul's saying I'm inviting you I'm inviting you into a new way of living I'm inviting you into a selfless way of living and it may not be intuitive it may not seem like it's even possible but the more selfless you are the the, the more away from it's all about me you can get the happier you'll be and the more your life look like this Last thing before we close and move into a time of communion. I want to show you one more picture of what I don't want your life to be. Don't, don't be like this. That is the Dead Sea. Do you know why the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea? It's got a lot of salt in it, right? But do you know why the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea? It, the, the Dead Sea, water comes into the sea, but it's at such a low place on the planet that the water has nowhere to go. So it just sits there. Water comes in, but it stays right there. The reason the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea, the reason that there's nothing can live in the Dead Sea is because the water flows in, but it does not flow out. It goes nowhere. Friend, if you don't find a way to be selfless, if you don't find a way to the life of God come in and then the life of God flow out, you will end up like the Dead Sea. Where life is coming into you, but it just gets stopped up right there. And you'll find yourself more and more frustrated, more and more unhappy, because you and I were designed by God to give our life away. Not to hold it all in, but to let it flow. Because if it's all about you, you'll never be happy. You were designed, and I was designed, by the designer of life to give our lives away. And in doing that, the crazy, illogical, counterintuitive thing is when you give your life away, that's where you find life. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, as we come here today and we're wrapping up this series about being happy and we're We want that life that we talked about, God, that life that is not ordinarily encountered, that abundant life, that full life. And one of the ways, God, that you have designed us to live is by giving life away. It doesn't make any sense to us at all, but God, it makes perfect sense to you. This morning, Lord, would would you move on us to find a way in our lives to make our lives about others. To make our lives about serving. Whether it's in church, outside of church, hopefully both, God. Because we don't want our lives to be all about acquiring and consuming and progressing into the ideal me. But about giving me away for the benefit of others. As we move into communion, you can look up. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit VerticalChurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at VerticalChurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.